What's up, friends? You're listening to The Secret Chord Podcast, the show about finding the harmony between faith, music, and business. I'm your host, Nick Morrow. Welcome to Episode 8. guys, I confess that I owe some of you an apology. I'm actually a little past due for this episode, and while I realize there's only about 5.7 of you out there who even noticed, I noticed, and I'm begging you, baby, please come back. I can change. I promise. Just give me one more chance. Okay, so actually, my family and I are in the middle of a huge move to Nashville, Tennessee, It's been crazy. Um, I think it's going to be awesome. We're really excited about it. We should probably do an episode about it sometime. But if you know anything about the crazy, crazy, crazy housing market right now, pretty much all over, but especially in Nashville, Tennessee, um, it's been really hard. So I'm a little behind. Please forgive me. Say a prayer for us if you think about it. I'm sure I'm going to have some great success and failure stories in the months and the years to come. So stay tuned on that. If you know me, or if you're a frequent listener of the podcast, then you know that a core passion of mine is the pursuit of creativity, especially within Christian music. And I've said it before that I think that creativity in Christian music, it's better than it's ever been in my lifetime, but we still also have a long way to go. Would you agree? Disagree? Feel free to comment on Instagram. Feel free to send me DMs, hate mail, whatever. The thing is, it's not the quality that's bad. Actually, I think a lot of Christian music production is super high quality. It's just that it seems to lack some of the creative depth that we see in other music in other markets. Or at the very least, there's not tons of Christian or worship music that tends toward my personal taste anyway. I don't often find worship music or Christian music in what I might call my native musical tongue. And by no means do do I think that it's all about me or all about you or our taste, but honestly, sometimes I just want to enjoy listening to some music that does resonate with me and also helps me focus on Jesus. You know what I mean? I just don't find a ton of music out there like that. And I think that maybe I understand why. So here's an analogy that might be helpful for you. It's been helpful for me. So think with me for a second about a really, really, really big high school. In a huge high school like that, there's loads of clubs or interest groups, right? Robotics club, yearbook club, the soccer team, chess club, mathletes, whatever, right? Tons of clubs. But if you take a look at a tiny little high school, and some of you went to tiny high schools, there's not nearly as much diversity or clubs, right? There's maybe a club or two or three, but there's not dozens of clubs that reach like all the kids' interests. Christian music kind of feels like that little high school sometimes to me. It's actually not that huge of an industry. Even though it's a worldwide ministry, it generates tons and tons of revenue. It's still, it's just not that big. Like, there's maybe six or seven large Christian music labels. Maybe a few more if you count the big churches like Elevation or Hillsong. The Christian market is just nowhere near as huge as the global music market. And so it makes sense to me that there's less diversity, maybe there's less creativity in Christian music. 
So at the end of the day, if I don't find what I'm looking for, it's because it's kind of like this small high school. I don't know if that explanation is helpful for you, but it sure has helped me to be less angsty about creativity in Christian music. I've been less angry about it. Um, and also, it's helped me to assume responsibility in helping to make Christian music more creative. You'll notice that a lot of guests on this show, a lot of the people and the voices that I like to highlight are such people that are making really creative Christian music. And my guest today is someone who makes really creative music from his Christian perspective. Andrew Blooms is a singer, songwriter, artist, and producer from Atlanta. While he's not producing records for other artists, he keeps busy releasing a prolific stream of albums and singles of his own music. He's released three albums in the last four years, which is rare for most artists. And he tackles various themes of life and faith from an angle that's really interesting to me personally and not super common. Andrew's also a part of the Common Hymnal Collective, a group of Christians who create from fringe spaces and make music that sounds different than your typical CCM music. I was most interested to ask Andrew about his creative processes, how he finds rhythms to stay creative, stay fresh in the studio and in his own writing. It's so fascinating for me to try to get inside the head of artists who I genuinely admire and ask, how did you even think to make that? How do you keep it all going? How do you keep it fresh? How do you keep the creativity stirred up? His answers were inspiring to me, and we had fun diving in and trying to articulate the sometimes ambiguous world of creativity. Here it is, my interview with Andrew Blooms. Andrew Blooms, welcome to the show, man. Yes, thank you for having me. Andrew, here's the deal, man. Everybody does the lightning round at the end of the show, the TV show, the podcast, whatever. I do it at the very beginning. I'm just going to throw lightning round questions at you. Answer from the gut. Don't overthink it. Okay. All All right. right. Let's go. All right. So let's do this. Uh, First question. On a scale of one to ten... If one is the worst day of your life and 10 is the best day of your life, how are you doing today? Ooh, great question. Today is, a, today is an eight. An eight? That's, am- that's amazing. Yeah. Dude, that's wonderful. Uh, well, that's two away from the best day of your life. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Well, Which I guess not- when you put it that way, I'm Oh, like, no, no, no. I think, I think, <laughs> eight, I think, honestly, I think eight. Yeah, dude. I will don't let me uh, make you second guess it. Let's just hope I don't bring it down by this interview. We'll keep <laughs> it at an eight or higher. All right. Okay. okay. Here's one. Uh, you're a musician. You're a songwriter. If you had Desert Island, and you get to take the music of three to five songwriters with you for the rest of your life, who you taking? Mm. Well, if we're on the island, I'm taking. Uh... Zach Brown band. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm trying to think. I, I would take Will Reagan's music. Oh um, yeah. I would yeah. take. Um, I would take Kendrick Lamar's music. Oh. And then I would take. Uh, I'll take Coldplay. Oh man, that's a good. That's a good crew and a diverse little 
you know, you've got some worship in there. You've got Coldplay. Yeah. <laughs> I've got everything I need. <laughs> I know. And Coldplay kind of does a little of everything over the years anyway. And you've got Kendrick uh, in there who will keep you thinking. So Yeah. Dude. And he might be the most worship of all of them in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. <laughs> okay, well, all right. Last lightning round question. Um, you have an alter okay. ego on your Instagram page, affectionately known as Chef Bloom Yardie. And Chef Bloom oh, Yardie's accent yes. sounds to be part Super Mario, part Borat. Can you tell us where the inspiration came from? Well, so I know Chef Blumiardi that well. Oh, sure. He um, really just just gave his time and came came on my channel um, to show kind of his production. He's a very um, high profile, kind of like he's a he's a mad scientist of sorts. So yeah. I think uh, he was he was uh, telling me his accent is a mixture of uh, Borat. That was one of them. Borat. Who else? Uh, Leslie Chow from The Hangover. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And well, that's what the influences are. And the third influence is like uh, all the social and cultural appropriation and. The pressures he felt as a young Asian American growing up in uh, a white space. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. This is amazing. Amazing. Well, for those who don't know, you're going to have to go now, follow Andrew on Instagram and uh, and see the work. I mean, he's an eccentric genius, I think you might call him. I don't I would, know. I, I, I would think he's, I, he's a genius. He's a genius. <laughs> okay. Well, so, okay. Uh, f um, moving on to a more serious question. Um, you, I, I followed you maybe for a year or two now. I was so glad to find your music. I, it, it resonated with me a lot. Um, and one thing cool. that some time ago you posted about, I don't remember when, maybe a year or two ago, that really intrigued me was that you made an intentional switch at some point and quit doing music full time for at least some period. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about that. Tell us about mm. that. Oh, well, this has been a couple of years journey for me of of needing to separate my identity from music. Um, I find in music cultures, in, in the culture of music that I am involved in, sometimes it, it gets too serious. To put it simply, I find myself not being able to enjoy music anymore because when I hear a song, I only hear a reflection of what I can and couldn't do as a musician, as a producer. Mm. I, I wasn't hearing music. I wasn't enjoying music um, because my identity had been so just tied to how, how successful I was being. And at, and at that point you, um, you kind of lose the original intent and the original point of art, which is to it, it's enjoyment, you know, and yeah. it, it's beauty. So, I took a step back for a little while and took a coffee gig just to feel like I was a normal person. <laughs> yeah. Like a just a working person, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a story, a similar story um, about Ryan Gosling that I heard one time that after the notebook, he went and worked in a sandwich shop. 
Really? Just to, yeah, just to get grounded. And just be, I mean, he obviously was like a bajillionaire by that point, but he didn't. Mm. He felt like he had lost the connection between sort of life in some ways. And yeah. um, I can relate to that. Did you feel like at any point you're sort of like every time you hear a song, you sort of go into sort of like producer mode or judgment mode of like, how how can this song be monetized or how can it be better or how can I you know whatever? Does that does that play yeah. with your mind ever? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I don't think so much about the business side. I I um I more struggle with the comparison mm. um, of going, could I have done that? Like, is this better than what I could do? Oh, and, yeah. yeah. At that at that point, you lose the joy of uh, of art, man. I think. Boy, well, that's big, right? For those of us who are artists talk about that for a minute and like so you're saying you'll hear another artist's song and you'll say could i can start comparing immediately like can i do that you know can i achieve yeah the same song yeah whatever and, dude yeah and it made it impossible to celebrate my friends it made it yeah. impossible to celebrate other people because suddenly when someone had a success it was at the expense of me or if they fail, if I had, if they had a quote unquote failure, whatever that means, it, it inflated my ego. So it wasn't about music anymore. It's about identity and like, and, uh, and success. And it just, I, I describe it as poisoning the well. It like, yeah, just not what it was meant to be about, you know, boy, that's a, cause it's a lose, lose scenario, right? Yeah. Basically yeah. either way. And how many of us like struggle with that of, especially because um, you've done a lot of collaborative work, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But I think mm. that the more you collaborate and then you're close with other people at all varying levels of quote success, right? Then it's yeah. so easy to be like, oh my gosh, well, I know that guy. He's five years younger than me and he hasn't worked nearly as long at this or that why is his song doing so or whatever, you know, it's, it can exactly. get really ridiculous. And, um, I think we all do it. I confess it because I just hope that there's others that do the same thing. <laughs> yeah. But I think that to say it out loud and be like, boy, this is like you said, that's a good word. Poison the well it is. It's poisonous and toxic to like, because like you said, I, I then you can't celebrate the other person and who doesn't want to celebrate their friends and champion yeah. their work um boy yeah okay so you do a lot of different kinds of work you're you're for those listening uh for anyone unfamiliar you're an artist you're uh you're a producer you've done collaborative work you're also a visual artist i just found out it's amazing mm-hmm. um but this is this is fun for me i've been kind of a fan for a while i remember there was a song i think it was the fall or, or winter just here recently um part of me knows mm-hmm. is that it yeah One of your first singles from like yeah. the new work which i love dude so good so good. Thanks. Um, I you make a pretty specific kind of. Uh, I'll use a term. You can you can you can laugh at this if you want, but like you make a specific kind of like faith based music, right? That's mm-hmm. different than a lot of what we listen to. And when I found it, it was so refreshing to me. Where does that come from for you? Oh, well, the genre I call it is is this guy a Christian question mark? All one word. <laughs> that's like, a that's a whole genre of music now where everyone's like, is this guy a Christian? Yeah. 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 It's <laughs> um, funny. Maybe it comes from my, my need to, to be 
real. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not always hundred percent real all the time, but there is a thing in me that is, if it doesn't, if, if it's copying something, I can't put my name. I can't, I can't put it out there. Like it's yeah. gotta be, it's gotta be me. Like in a sense and who me is, is, a, is dark and light. Like I am yeah. a, I, the Christian songs, if you were to imagine the Christian rhetoric and the language that we use in Christian music, that's not my life. Like, I don't, I don't wake up with those thoughts often, or I don't walk through my day with those thoughts yeah. often. It's more of a wrestling. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But I, I have written worship music before, but even in that worship music, it's um there's a sense of commitment to the truth and yeah. not writing something to succeed but writing something to be real you know? oh so good and would you say uh, attached to that writing something that is the truth and also not intentionally leaving out parts of the truth that are hard to wrestle with yeah and it, i think especially yeah like I think we we all come up to a ledge and all the stuff that scares us to say is right over that ledge. I believe that what's on the other side of that fear is something we should all pay attention to and pursue. Ooh. Like that's the stuff that's going to help people. It's not no what's the stuff that's easy, easy to say. Yeah, It's the stuff that's hard to say because we're, I think we're all thinking it. We're all living it for some reason. No one wants to talk about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Boy, isn't that the truth? That's how I feel. <laughs> well, and it's like the, the the getting over that ledge and going to that space and being able to go there with people. That Yeah, you're right. Like, all of us are living it as Christians. Like, we all know it's true. We just, we and we also know that we're all putting on this mask sometimes. Right? <laughs> we, every, yeah. Everyone knows it. <laughs> yeah. So, we might as well go there. And might as well, um, especially in more singer songwriter. Like now, there's a context for worship, and I get that. Like you, we need to say in certain sing song kind of mode, but um, to to be in that space, and then the true encouragement, you know, positive, uplifting encouragement, actually comes from going to that space and encouraging people from there. Yeah. And and finding I don't know whatever you want to call it humanity there. Uh, yeah. Boy. Gosh. Okay. Um. So many directions. I'd love to go with that, but um. When you when you write these songs, because I've connected with even some of the themes of your songs, and I, I I've appreciated like the hooks in them, that I'm like, oh yeah, I, I wrestle with this. You know, we're Christian guys mm. making music around the same age. I wrestle with these same things and vulnerabilities and all this. How much of it? Mm. How much of it are you thinking as you're creating the song? Like, okay, I want the listener to take this away, versus just it's just coming out and you're expressing. Oh. Yeah, I don't think about the listener when I write. Yeah. Uh, I when I write, I typically am reacting to my own crisis or <laughs> or moment. <laughs> like uh, most of my songs are written in moments where I'm like, "What have I done?" Oh. Yeah. Or, "Where the heck am I?" Like, "How did I get here?" Where's God? Um. Yeah. They're really reactions to my experience. Yeah. And let me, um, I'm going to dig, I'm going to dig a layer or two deeper here. If you'll let me, okay. um, when sure. in, 
in those moments, do you go like, let's say you're having one of these moments, it's a terrible day, whatever is going on. Do you go Mm. kind of immediately like this evening you're writing a song or do you have some time that passes before what, like while that pain passes that you write the tune? Oh, well, a lot, a lot of the times it's in, in one sitting. Yeah. I don't. And something I actually am trying to work on is patience in life, (laughs) in life in general. But in my creative process, I'm not really patient. Like uh, with writing, especially, I typically go with the first draft and let it be that. Um, But a lot of the more introspective and heavier songs are written in one sitting because the moment is so dark in in, in that is very powerful. Yeah, that yeah. I feel like uh, there's these things where it really feels like the the song's writing itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's um so for the songwriters listening, like I'm so curious, how long is one of these sittings? Because for me, I know I'll sit for an hour, maybe ninety minutes, but I rarely mm. finish a song. How long are you sitting down mm. and writing? Ooh, maybe a couple hours. Maybe yeah. a couple hours. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, well, for I mean, I feel like people who haven't heard your music should just literally pause this right now and go listen to Andrew's music. It's so powerful, and it struck me um, that blows my mind that you've written some of these A in first drafts and B in one sitting because they're very I like poignant lyrics, man. I love it so Mm. much. I'm just gushing now at this point. Like I really genuinely love your music. Thanks, Um, thanks, dude. You've you've collaborated with lots of different people. As a producer, but also yeah. as an artist, you've done some work. You mentioned worship earlier, and you've done some work with like Common Hymnal, for example. Who, mm-hmm. uh, for those who don't know, is like a you know sort of a. Uh, how would you describe Common Hymnal? I don't know. <laughs> that's a great. That's a great question. Uh, that's a question we get a lot. I'm sure. Common Hymnal is is a library. That's the best way to. Do, it's a library of thoughts, creatives, or thinkers, creatives, songwriters. Um, just intellectuals, spiritual people, um, all gathered from the margins of what we would call mainstream Christianity. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a library. Yeah. A community. And you guys, I mean, pre-COVID anyway, you're getting together, like writing retreats and all this and, and doing some recording. Yeah. Which it was is- awesome. We have these, uh, our, our shows, if you'd call them, we call them soirees, which are basically house parties um, with kind of an open format of, of sharing ideas, sharing songs. We had we had our sets, but we were always inviting uh, different ideas and people because one of the core values is everyone has a part to play. Mm. And I feel like Christian collaborations say that a lot, but it's actually everyone has a part to play, ex- but especially if you like are really good and uh are attractive and uh cool <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> but yeah. i feel like uh or or if you agree with what we say yeah but yeah. common hymnal is, is a very open it's really cool i i, I like it <laughs> yeah it's it, different isn't that an interesting piece of it that my wife and i talk about this sometimes how like if you went into a Christian, I mean, but there's not really like record CD stores much anymore. But if like if you if you were to go and, and peruse the proverbial record shop at the mainstream in the mainstream pop world and in the Christian market. Mm-hmm. Do you you know, we talk about this all the time where it's like, is it pretty much the same and that you go in and you find like good looking people 
who are relatively fit and relatively like they're really good singers and they're and like you said i think maybe even the biggest one fit into a very particular construct of theological or philosophical ideas um, mm-hmm. based around evangelicalism I'm like, does that really, uh, does it really promote the diversity of the kingdom of God? And like, there's, there's definitely, I think most people would agree there's work to do, you know, in that area, which is a lot of what you guys really do with common hymnal. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. There's a lot of work to be done. I think though, um, I, from, I don't know if this is my little perception, but I think, um, the age of Christianity that doesn't work is kind of like changing. Like it's, it's almost like nowadays it's like, like, why would you be a Christian if you don't mean it? It's kind of like, yeah, I feel like maybe in earlier times it's more you do it because kind of that's what you do in certain you're a Christian, but now it's kind of like, why even pretend it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I feel like there's a real hunger for something very real and people are starting to smell the formula. They're trying to, they're starting to smell the, uh, inauthenticity, authenticity of the church and of these celebrities. And we need something real. Like we need something that's not superficial. Yeah. And the truth behind it all is that like some of these people who I'm sure you've met, like behind the scenes are incredibly real and authentic whether they appear to be or not, you know, and then others mm. are, are not. And it's just sort of this discernment process uh, for me anyway, of like sorting out, okay, what, what do I trust? And I, I think you're right though. I think for our generation or even the one coming up behind us, it's like, there's this sort of, um, I, I, I lived when I was younger in England for a short period of time. And I talked to my friends oh, cool. there. They, cause it was something like five to 10% of people there are Christian. You know, it's not a, a, a large, you know, majority like in the at the time 15 years ago we had here and i had asked my friends about it and they'd asked me about it and one friend said something really uh interesting about how like the amount of people who are all in is probably about the same in both country you guys just have a whole bunch of cultural christians that go to church mm. right and i think that's starting mm. to fade that that portion of people is starting to fade a bit um, yeah. To where you're right. It's sort of like you 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 got to be after the real thing and all in, or else it's kind of like, you know, why bother? Hmm. Mm. What's mm-hmm. um? Let's talk about production because I know you're a producer by by trade, really. Oh. And yeah. um. So you somewhere on your studio's website, I read you saying that there's never quote just another day in the studio for you that it's like mm-hmm. every day is sort of all in fully present. Is it hard to maintain that sense of like being fully present in the studio? I imagine a lot of producers struggle with this. Mm. A lot of it has to do with, and this is just life, but uh, for me, it's all connected. It's uh, it's part of producing. I think it's, um, it's really dangerous to wish you were somewhere else. Mm. Um, to, to always be wondering why you don't have a better quote unquote opportunity or, um, why you aren't at a certain place that you'd wish to be. Um, I'm starting to identify that as a dishonor to my, myself, my artist, because 
if you if you were to flip the situation, you never want to be an afterthought to somebody. You don't want yeah. you would never want to be someone's stepping stone to just to get where to they really want to be. Yeah. And so I'm really trying to and this is a pretty recent thing for me is trying to treat everything that's in front of me today as as what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And it changes because things no longer become a um, a chore. They, they no longer become something in your way. Yeah, yeah. And I find if you kind of can have some sort of mindfulness about there's a reason you're doing it and there's a human being in front of you. Yeah. That helps with um, not treating it like a chore. Yeah. I imagine it brings some sense of peace too. Yeah. Like the, the, yeah. this idea of um, that this person or this opportunity, or this job that's in front of me is the thing that's on my way to what I really want to do. That's that's so anxiety producing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's so much thought mm-hmm. and, and, and fear that goes into that a lot of times that um, I gosh, I imagine that brings a lot of peace. I also imagine it, it produces a lot better work with the people you're working with. Yeah. And I, I find too, man, um, I hear a lot of people's experiences with other producers. And it sounds like one of the issues is a lot of producers don't take owner. They don't own, they don't, they don't take ownership in their work because it's not something that they like or something that's not good to them. But for me, I've always felt a sense of responsibility. And this wasn't a choice. I think it's just how I view it is uh, yeah. no matter what the content is, if I've agreed to do it and the person has trusted me with it, you can innovate within that yourself. You're not limited to the artist. You're not limited to your gear or your – like that's what producing is, yeah. is taking yeah. what you have, and finding a solution to make it the best, most awesome thing that you can. And so I've never really run into, I can't, I am limited by the artist or the project because your job is to create the environment for that thing to flourish. And I, I believe very rarely is that impossible. I think it's, the world is your oyster to, in, a, in a sense in that realm. Like, yeah. If you're a good producer, you can, you can make it work. <laughs> totally. Because how many terrible art, I, I, I shouldn't say that. How many artists that can't <laughs> sing, right? Take Bob Dylan, mm. whoever, like have turned out these incredibly timeless works of art that we all love that really from like the yeah. quote talent perspective, uh, one of their talents, you know, Bob Dylan singing, for example, was not very developed, but they they found a way to make it work within their own amount of skill and had a vibe with it. It's like you can make it right. work. Right. Dude, one of the things that you talk about um, is like always trying to find new sounds. Um, yeah. Which which honestly I think was one of the things that drew me to your work. I don't remember where. I think I saw a video of you like making percussion loops and just like mm-hmm. stacking stuff in the studio. And I was like, this is cool. This guy's like 
He's a Christian who makes cool music. That alone is like a rare beast to me <laughs> sometimes. Um, and yeah. and I was like, oh, okay, what's this? So so talk to me about this. How um, in the studio, there's there's times you you, you got to get some things done, right? There's you have to sort of get the the kit set up, and you got to get good tones out of the guitar or whatever. And um, and then there's also this creative time and space. How do you marry those two together? Oh. Well, yeah, long, long story short is the, the technical aspect are tools. They shouldn't be limitations. Mm. And I feel with young artists or young producers trying to trying to learn, it's, it's an illusion to have the technical stuff stop you. Because um, producing is really about creative solutions. And unless you have literally nothing you there are creative solutions for anyone so um to answer that question i don't spend a lot of time on if i perceive something to interrupt an artistic flow or the artist's comfort or the artist's self-belief like listening to a kick drum for an hour kills a vibe yeah to me yeah it's to me it's not necessary yeah. And so my decisions in the studio process are always how do we keep the ball rolling? How do we keep everyone excited? And if that's exciting to everyone in the room to listen to the kick drum for an hour, we do it. But most most often the artist doesn't care. Yeah. And a lot of the time the listener doesn't well the listener doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the listener yeah. unless they're um maybe studio people or something but I think producing is all about the big picture. And if you can design a process well, I think that's a great producer. Yeah. Like you're setting a table for the artist, you're saying. That's it. Yeah, it's um yeah, that's it. And then you can always get gain more knowledge, but I think wisdom is knowing the when and the where to apply. Oh, yeah. yeah. Knowledge. So good. That's so good. And and do you find, like for you then, a day in the studio, do you have to do a lot of work on the front end then to sort of get everything ready to make sure you don't have to stop that flow? Mm. Um, yes, I, I typically prepare, but it's not really that long. I just want to make sure that when someone shows up to the studio, I'm not learning how to do stuff. That's really my goal. Yeah. Like, I would love them to come in and that them perceive that I – have a sense of where we're going, <laughs> even yeah. if I I know that we're gonna have surprises along the way. Um, yeah, it's really the artist's comfort, the artist's excitement is the the number one priority. So yeah, whatever you got to do to make sure that they feel taken care of, and that they're gonna be all right. Because as yeah. an artist, you're all, dude, man, people are artists. You're always wondering, is this gonna be crap? Like, yeah, am I just crap? <laughs> totally the insecurity is so deep and then and then you go into a studio I and mean, we've had this experience like you go into a studio and i'm working with a producer who literally works with artists all the time and i'm wondering what do they think of me right now right I, I feel like i've heard people have this experience a lot when you work with a producer who you feel like you're just a paycheck to them or you're just something to get done man i, I just feel for that because it should never be that way yeah um, but I can also understand how it does feel that way or how it can. Yeah. Yeah, totally. 
I have empathy for all people, you know, and everyone's got to make a living and all this sort of thing. But at the same time, it, there's a fragile thing. Maybe the younger or less experienced we are too. <laughs> I'm like, as yeah, yeah. an artist, I do want some, honestly, there are moments when I want someone to give me feedback. There's also moments when I just want someone to champion and be a cheerleader, you know? And yeah. like, hey, you're yeah. doing great. If I'm cutting vocals, I need a cheerleader. <laughs> Yeah. Say this word differently and you're doing great. Let's go. Keep going. Give me some, you know, um, versus other things. So let me, I'm going to bring it full circle here on, on you as a producer cool. and as an artist. How different is it for you to produce your own music? I assume you're producing yourself and you're sort of wearing both hats. How does, how do those things jive or play together for you? Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it, man. Sometimes it's, you can lose perspective yeah on on things um i like to invite people in after i've done all my exploring and be like yo what's this feel like to you yeah. is this too much and they usually have some very good um suggestions um because i i really do know what i want not specifically but i know how i want things to feel yeah and that helps me a lot with the process because I kind of have a course typically yeah. when I go for something. Totally. And so, you, are you subbing out the mixing or are you missing, mixing yourself? I mix a lot of it myself. Yeah. Um, my last record, Never a Waste, about uh, half of it was mixed by other people. So I would love to have all my stuff mixed all the time by other people, but I'm torn because one, I love mixing. Yeah. And two, the budget. Sometimes you just, uh, if you can't do it yourself, you can do it yourself. So totally, yeah. totally. And did you go to school for production, or is it just something you started picking up on your own? No, I went to. I did a music business certificate, and through that certificate, I was. I did a studio internship, and okay. that's kind of where I was like, "Whoa, this world is where I want to be all the time." Yeah. Yeah. In the studio, so. Yep. And you own your own studio yeah. now, right? Bloom Sounds is, is yeah. you. Yeah, Bloom Sounds. And is that like at the house? Is that um, somewhere else? How's that work for you? Yeah, right now it's in it's in my basement. It's had a couple different homes. It was yeah. in my ho home in Athens. But now I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, and it's in my basement. Wow. How is that having your workspace in your home? <laughs> oh, I, I now hate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My um my goal for this year is to find a, another space because yeah. it's been in my living room, per se or if you will, for like three years and uh, it was good for that season where I didn't have boundaries with music and I didn't want boundaries with music. Yeah. But now I want boundaries with myself. Um, I want to be able to go home and not have the Pro Tools calling yes calling my name dude come downstairs right right there's something to be said for i know like i heard van morrison i read an interview where he said uh paul mccartney was the same way they didn't want the studio at their house they could have done it but they said i want to have a sense of going to work and then leaving work yeah and going home yes and i think that's that there is something to be said for that especially in creative work where there's kind of always these open-ended questions all the time yeah. It's like I really need to shut that off like with when I'm with my family because it can plague my mind and I'm just not there yeah. uh, if I don't. Yeah. So, yeah, there's something to be said for that. Well, let me ask you uh, one more thing for people who may be listening who are curious. 
what advice would you give to anybody like younger producers who are wanting to get into the game and do this sort of thing? What's like your one or two things like, oh, here's what I would pass on to you? Oh, yes, man, man. I think the biggest thing is there's a luxury if you're in a time of your life where you don't overthink things. Like I, a lot of the times, am wanting to somehow get back to the space I was in when I made my first records because there were no wrong answers. There was no there's no sense of you're going to fail because you hadn't succeeded yet. And I think in those times I made the most innovative and creative work because I wasn't overthinking. So I think being able to make music, I think really this applies to art in general is not a battle with the technical skills or knowledge. It's the battle of the mind. If you can free your mind, if you can uh, believe in yourself you can succeed and i don't think we really integrate especially in how we view success in in western culture we don't integrate spiritual to practical very well but i'm finding now in my life that your identity and this is if you're in a christian space this is so cliched but i think it's more true than ever your identity your the condition of your heart is where your life flows from so if you're going out of order, if all you care about is succeeding, making money, trying to trying to make cool stuff even, if you take care of your heart, if you allow love, this sounds cheesy, but I, I believe this, if, if you are allowing God into your heart and allowing that to be your, your main source of identity and belonging, I believe the stuff that you make is going to be way better because yeah. suddenly you're not, you don't get a death grip on like, this is my identity by failure or success of this venture. It, you can have fun. Mm. And I think that, whoa, leads into the second. You have to have fun. Like um, separate yourself from your success and your failure and have fun creating and have fun with people. Like, um, invite people into your play and just have communion around the things that y'all are creating. Cause that's all I remember from all, all the stuff I produced is the relationships. It's, yeah. it's about the music sort of, but it's about the story that you're telling. Yeah. And which yeah. In- inevitably seeps into the music, right? Exactly. It's all yeah. backwards. Yeah. Like, you will make the amazing records and stuff you want if you focus on the right things, which yeah. is in some ways making cool stuff is not, shouldn't be number one. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, it's, it's so crazy because you say this and I, so many people I talk to come back to the same thing. It's kind of, it really is true when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things will fall into place. Right. Yes. And it's really easy for me as I do a lot of writing, writing lots of nights every week. And, and um, it's super easy to just go in and say, all right, we're going to get the job done. We're going to write a cool song. It's going to be good. The course is going to be catchy. All these things. And just forget to like tend to the heart, both personally and communally. And um, 
out of those spaces though those are the pretty special songs sometimes when 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 i've tended well boy yeah andrew i wonder i always ask every guest at the end of the show would you for those who've been listening would you just pray over listeners who have resonated with some of the things that you're sharing and and yes some of this is popping yeah yeah let let me pray so let me say a prayer um yeah god we thank you for this day we thank you for even the fact that we are living that we've got air to breathe um and that the idea of creating is even a part of our lives and uh i pray i pray for a redemption of the creative spirit to anyone who's listening i pray for a sense of the pressure to be anything other than just you like who you were made to be i pray for that pressure to be anything that you're not meant to be to be taken off and for that feeling of i'm never gonna be this i'll never get there why aren't why don't i have this i just pray that you would bring peace to that wrestle that uh, a lot of us creatives are in on a daily basis and um yeah just bring us back to this place of creating without success in mind but creating as a form of worship and enjoyment of the life that you've given us and yeah amen 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 yeah Well, I hope that was inspiring for you. I hope it inspired you to find new sounds, to be intentional about your own music. I was just telling a friend recently, the world doesn't need you to sound like the next Bethel or the next Elevation or even the next U2 or Sufjan Stevens or John Mark McMillan or pick your favorite artist. The world needs you to sound like you. God put specific artistic dreams and messages in your heart to release into the world, and we would like to hear them. If you resonated with any of the things that Andrew or I talked about uh, today in the episode, let us know on social media. You can find Andrew on social media, Instagram and whatnot. You can find him on Spotify, Apple Music. All those links are in the show notes. Also, you can hear his fantastic new record, 987, anywhere you listen to music, as well as the Secret Chord Season 1 official playlist. The theme music for The Secret Chord is shamelessly supplied by my band, Mountaintops. Again, you can hear those songs and music from all the guests I've ever had on The Secret Chord on the Spotify playlist in the show notes. If you're enjoying The Secret Chord, then don't be a stranger. Stay connected by subscribing and following. Use the comments section on Instagram to keep the conversation going. That's what it's there for. There's starting to be a little bit of a community of us Christian musicians asking similar questions. A lot of us on kind of similar journeys. So let's get connected, let's stay connected, and let's make Christian music better together. Thanks for listening. See you next time.